You are now listening to Spoilery Radio. What's up, nerds? My name is Mason Fields. Tonight, we are back to the spoiler to 1995 for Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever. With me once again, the big A, Cousin Alec. How you doing, Cuz? Doing great. Excited to get started. Let's go. You mentioned last week on our Batman Returns episode actually reading some of these comics. Now, I gotta say, I um, I never really got into Batman comics. My relationship with Batman is pretty much exclusively from the movies and the animated series. Tell me about your relationship to the larger Batman canon. Uh, Batman's one of those, uh, heroes that I think if you want to get into comic books, he's the, like the easiest jumping off point yeah. because so much cool stuff has happened to him and around It's not him. about how did he get powers or anything no, like that. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of arguments about, you know, how strong is this guy? He's just kind of a, he's a dude and it's, it's easy to cheer for, um, I'm always a person who goes first to the original source material. Yeah. So with comic books, a lot of the time that does ruin some movies uh, for me. We talked about that <laughs> last week with Batman Returns. Yeah. Where I just can't let little stuff go, even if it's an enjoyable film. Um, I've gotten better about letting some of that stuff kind of go in my old age, but it always yeah. cut, always hits the heart a little bit. Just yeah, like, if I, I keep telling myself I'm getting better, but I don't know if that's true <laughs> or if I'm just not talking about it as much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Batman, I think more than it is the superhero that everyone knows, like even more so than Superman, Spider-Man, any of the Avengers. I I read something somewhere that Batman, the Batman symbol, and I think Superman was part of it too, but has nearly 100% brand recognition worldwide. Like you can go to the, you know, the Sudan or somewhere and people know what that, that Batman symbol means. uh, I I think the marketing class deal was it's like Batman and then Coca-Cola are the two most famous symbols that are on the planet. Like that's the level that he's sunk into everything. Which is kind of ironic considering the, uh, the darker side of the character, which I really didn't entirely pick up on as a kid. You know, it's just, oh, Batman's the hero. Not until you kind of get into your teens and start reading some of the darker comics that you're like, yeah. he's also kind of a psycho. Yeah, Batman's <laughs> taking this weird uh, wave. Uh, the golden age, the original age of comics, he was really dark. Batman walked around with a pair of pistols and was like shooting gangsters. <laughs> and like it was, a, it was a pulp comic, like something that only adults were supposed to be reading. Right, right. Uh, but then the Silver Age comics happened, and they went way the other direction for the sake of marketability. Yeah. And that's where you got the Adam West television yeah. show. Yeah, bat the shark, my bat shark repellent spray on my belt. Pull that off, you know, it's stuff <laughs> that's really over the top. Really started veering into camp at that point. Yeah, which I think this movie really draws a lot from that age, the Silver Age Batman. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Definitely you know, a different tone from our first two yeah. uh, uh, Burton films. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good job jumping off point for us there. Um, so this movie came out in 1995. So we were about, what does that make us? About 12 and 10, respectively, something yep. like that. Yeah, I actually thought I was older when this one came out. Because I, I very 
I remember going to the theaters for this one. Oh, do you? I See, thought I'm, we were a little bit older. I'm confident I went to the theater for this one, but I don't have a clear, specific memory of that part of it. What I remember is the um, kind of the pop cultural element of it all. This Batman really seeping into the the MTV stuff, you know? Oh yeah, then it was uh, all the toys. He had the coolest stuff in this one. This yeah, was yeah. The, the Bat Cave. They really do. I mean, we'll talk about it, but yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so can you do you have any memory at all of the last time you watched this movie? It has been a while for me. I mean, I feel like I've watched the Burtons kind of over the years, but yeah, I don't know I if I've turned I've those back on. And and I, you know, I was appreciative to get to watch this one again. Uh not to tip my hand too much, but before I used to think that this one was like it was just a little bit below the Burton movies. Yeah. And now having watched this one this weekend, it's uh there's a big step down. There's for a me big step as an down. Adult. Yeah. I think maybe as a ten-year-old, a lot of the things, the cultural and the toys, and the yeah, fun actions, bright and flashing action, yeah, neon lights, fun. black lights, all that stuff. But now I just watch it. and I'm like, oh man, nope. <laughs> I gotta say, I was a little surprised. I expected this to be a slog. I expected going into this rewatch that I was like, all right, well, you know, it's gonna be. Jim Carrey scatting all over the place, you know, is what it is. We'll get through it. It kind of held up. a li- I think I think it's a case of, you know, managing expectations because I was not sure. expecting anything from it. Actually, See, I felt- I, the Jim Carrey yeah, is my favorite part of this movie. I love yeah. the, the craziness of Jim Carrey in this. And does that hold up for you? That held up. So yeah. it's weird that, yeah, the campy other stuff fell down and the Jim is like, I don't know. I expected I the Jim Carrey of it all to drive me a little nuts in this film, to be honest. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't. I think he actually did a, a better job with this. I think I he fits the tone of this movie really well. Yeah. And Schumacher, I mean, it's clear that's what Schumacher wanted. Schumacher yeah. got what he paid for with it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk quickly about the making of this movie. Of course, uh, this is the first Batman without Tim Burton. We talked a lot on our Batman Returns episode how that movie was considered too dark and scary for kids, the controversy about McDonald's toys being pulled and all that. Um, So WB wanted to make a movie, quote, for the MTV generation with full merchandising appeal. Um, Like we said, Joel Schumacher uh, definitely fits that music video generation. He was a music video director. Um, Probably should have stayed there. (laughs) Um, He had some okay features there in the 80s, early 90s. St. Elmo's Fire, Lost Boys, uh, Flatliners, Falling Down in particular. Um, In 1994, he is coming off of The Client, where he worked with Tommy Lee Jones, and that's really kind of the thing that uh, got him into this, as well as his music video uh, work. And I never really registered that in the past, but it's basically a two-hour music video. I mean, every background is neon. The sets, yeah, yeah. and it's all the, the camera work always. is always like panning. Uh-huh. So like they're stale, uh-huh. and then they're walking around. It's all one-camera shots that are... A lot more slow-mo strange. than we got with Burton yeah. at any time. Yeah. So, yeah. I think he's trying to create drama, but in a situation where... When Tommy Lee is laughing like he does this whole movie, there's no drama here. You just <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot of tension in that. Yeah. Uh, the the screenplay was written by husband and wife team Lee and Janet Scott Batchelor. Only other major credit I could find for them was the uh, pretty much god awful Pompeii from a few years ago with oh, uh, my goodness. Kit Harrington. <laughs> that's um, a that's a reach. Yeah, that was that was rough. Um, I don't know what they were doing for the intervening uh, what twenty years there, but in any case, uh, Keaton did not like the new directing of the script didn't like that it was kind of going to this like poppy comic book thing could you imagine michael keaton trying to act with jim carrey i really cannot like i I feel like that 
they would have murdered each other. Yeah, right? I think like, Keaton would have would have uh, sort of in character punched him in the face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Keaton drops out because he doesn't like the silly direction. So Schumacher brings in Akiva Goldsman, uh, a Oscar-winning screenwriter of Beautiful Mind, iRobot, Time to Kill, Da Vinci Code, among others. I believe he's most recently uh, involved in the Picard series. Um, oh, love that. Yeah, mixed bag with Goldsman, though. Some of his stuff's pretty good. Some of it's pretty clunky. But that left them looking for a new Batman. So they go out, and do you know who their number one was for this one, Cuz? I remember seeing Ethan Hawke's name. You are correct, sir. Yeah. Ethan Hawke turned it down. Um, Wow. Yeah. um, I didn't know he turned it down. I think he could have made a really good Batman. Oh, 100%. At that age, I think he could have been a a really good Batman. I think um, Ethan Hawke and then also I read he was interested in Keanu. I think both may be a little on the young side in 1995 for – the True. third uh, Batman movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair um, enough. That makes sense. But uh, also in contention, Alec Baldwin. At the time, I could kind of see it in a weird way, at least as the Bruce Wayne of it all, you know? Didn't he just do Hunt for Red October? Yeah, he's coming so off he of that. kind of doing some yeah. action movie stuff. He's got the look, you know, um, and and the voice. The Alec Baldwin we know from 30 Rock is not that <laughs> right? Alec Baldwin. Can you imagine him doing know, uh, our, our doing Bruce Wayne as uh, <laughs> his sort of Lorne Michaels character? Yeah, as, as Jack. Yeah. That'd be great. Jack Donahue does Batman. Um, also in contention for the role, Kurt Russell. I can't see that. He's just got too much of the Southern kind of – I mean, I know he's a California yeah. dude, but he, but he, he kind of reads Southern. Um, and then I don't know if these were true or not, but Daniel Day-Lewis and Johnny Depp were both considered um, – I can't really see either. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis for anything, but no, at the same time. You know? Yeah, I'm sure he would have been uh, He would have been better than the, this Batman or the Batman of the next movie. I'll say that. <laughs> so you're not a Kilmer guy? Oh, no. I am not a Kilmer guy. And I, I put most of that on this screenplay. There are situations where both as Bruce Wayne and as Batman, I feel like he's yeah it's really not true to character like it doesn't make any sense what he's doing to me yeah the panic attack kind of ptsd yeah, stuff of and, it all uh, yeah and it's you know batman it's tough it's a duality you have to be two completely different people and i think his voice doesn't really change between yeah. the two yeah and it, he's just kind of the same monotone throughout and for most of batman movie, in, in a different suit yeah you're, you know? you're the, the whole movie you're just like how does chase meridian not get yeah. this is the same guy it's uh um, yeah, I'll, I'll, we, my, my, the funniest line of the movie, I'll, I'll bring, go back to that point again. <laughs> well, it was primarily Tombstone from the year before that got uh, Kilmer in on this. Of course, I would say Kilmer's uh, Doc Holliday is one of the best performances of the 90s. Oh, that movie is, it's uh, if it's on TV, oh, nope, I lost the next 90 minutes. Like, yeah, I gotta I'm, watch it again. I'm, st- I'm your Huckleberry. That's right, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> well, for the key uh, female role in this movie, they actually had Renee Russo set... But then after Keaton dropped out, they they decided Rene Russo was too old for Kilmer. I, I don't know what the age difference between Keaton and Kilmer is. I don't know that I really see the difference there. Yeah. Um, and they just all seem the same generation to me, so I don't know that. But I guess maybe it's like you were saying, Russell plays Southern, Rene Russo plays older. Yeah. I um, uh, So the other uh, actresses in contention for the, the female lead was Sandra Bullock, Robin Wright, uh, Gene Triplehorn and Linda Hamilton. I can't see Linda Hamilton uh, 
particularly in this, you know, after Aliens and all that. Is, uh, this is too much of a sex pot role. Linda, Linda Hamilton's yeah, pretty well you know, established Linda as a Hamilton's badass. Linda Hamilton's out there beating the shit out of Terminator. She yeah. And at this point, she's still problems. got her Terminator 2 guns. Yeah, you know? she's, yeah she's got you know bigger shoulders than either of us as so she's carrying around <laughs> Arnold's. Um, but that led agree. to the casting of one Nicole Kidman. Before she was Aquaman's mom, she was Batman's girlfriend. <laughs> there you go. So. I, had, I had not thought about that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Return uh, to the DC universe. Of course, at this uh, point, mid-90s, she's done Days of Thunder and Far and Away are kind of her two big American movies. Um, this, I think, though, is really her kind of cultural, pop cultural introduction. Yeah. Um, she becomes – in kind of a Bond girl fashion where, yeah, you know, that one yeah. role where you've been in a movie, but now all of a sudden you're an it girl for being and, the hot girl next to the star character. That's happened me, to so many me, actresses over time. Let me tell you one thing. As a 12 or 13-year-old, yeah. I was very aware of Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah you see, I think I'm still a little too young, but uh, uh-huh, at 10 yeah. at this point, she was just the girl there. I was like, why did they spend all this time with a girl? But I... Looking back at her now, she looked very good at the role. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right. Quickly, Two-Face candidates were Al Pacino, Martin Sheen, Clint Eastwood, Willem Dafoe, or Nicolas Cage. Uh, Mel Gibson was actually offered the role but turned it down due to his commitment to Braveheart. Uh, Good move, Mel. Um, (laughs) It worked out. Yeah, I definitely can't see Eastwood. I could kind of see Defoe since we've. Kind oh, of seen I think him I would have loved Defoe. You just said that, and now yeah. it's stuck in my mind. Um, you wouldn't even have to really scar up his face. He'd probably just do it himself while yes. walking on the set, <laughs> and then <laughs> just you know, whichever side you were standing on would be who was talking to you. I can't see Martin Sheen. I I can't see Al Pacino in this movie. But the thought of Al Pacino doing a two-faced. I think if it was a Tim Burton. Yes, yes. Al Pacino would have been absolutely fantastic. Casters could be different. Hundred percent. But you know, where you go from you know scent of a woman to the Godfather, it'd be great. Uh, so Tommy Lee Jones had worked with Schumacher on the client the year before and was reluctant to take the role, but his son basically insisted he accept it and be in a Batman movie. Um, and uh, finally, we've got the Riddler, Michael Jackson, once again, lobbying hard for this. Michael Jackson, known to be a Batman obsessive and uh, heavily involved in the Tim Burton Batman. But I think at this point, uh, they're definitely like, no, thank you, Michael. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, up for the role, Robin Williams. Um, you know, he had had some contentious relationships with Warner Brothers um, going back to the first Batman. Um, also, John Malkovich, Mark Hamill, and Brad Dourif. I kind of think if you go John Malkovich, you just get Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Um, sure. And if you go Mark Hamill, you probably just end up getting the animated series Joker. Joker, <laughs> yeah. Which is he is my favorite Joker. Oh I, as yeah. Much as I love of all of all Jokers that have been put out on film, Mark Hamill is my favorite. But I love the what he, he everything he does. It's the, the he does hi for it and then yeah. comes uh, back yeah, down. Just, he just reaches for it. It's <laughs> yeah, great. I love it. So at this point in 1995, Jim Carrey is the hottest thing in comedy, um, and this movie was his big payday. He got, I think, $20 million, uh for this, um, and I just wanted to look at his credits from – so, okay, so this movie's 1995. I want to tell you about his 1994. Uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, 
The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all in the same year before this movie. That was the same year? Same year, yeah. Oh, man. Um, which, once I, again, if, if you'd asked me, those movies were spread out over like six years of my childhood. Yeah, but I would have nope. thought so, too. Right here in the middle. I, I at least gave Jim Carrey $40 that year. Like, buddy, <laughs> to go see those movies multiple times. Uh, and probably a little on the VHS home release at some point. Oh, I or at least a blockbuster. Of those. I'll yes. let you guys guess at home which ones, but I do own two of those movies. And last but not least, this movie introduces Robin. We've talked about how he was supposed to be introduced in Batman Returns as Damon Wayne's, but uh Marlon Wayne's. Marlon Wayne's, yeah, sorry, Damon Wayne's. <laughs> yes. Forty-five year old. There's bald. thirty-seven Wayne's, Wayne's brothers, I'm yeah, convinced. They just use it the same rule. Uh, so supposedly DiCaprio turned it down, also considered Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Ewan McGregor, and Jude Law. All of them strike me as a little old for the role, but frankly, I think Chris O'Donnell was a little old for the role as well. Yeah, uh, that was a mistake that I had just in casting in general. Robin shouldn't be that old. Of the ones you listed, if this is the Ewan McGregor that's coming out of train spotting, mm-hmm. then I think he could have been a cool Robin in a better movie. Yeah. But the way they just treat Robin this whole film is one of my big bugaboos. I mean, we talked about comic books. The character of Dick Grayson is my favorite DC character oh, wow. over the course of his entire and, career. He does people, I think general public just think of him as Robin, but he becomes yeah. another character called Nightwing, but and he's fantastic. And yeah, he's just such a disservice is done to such a great character where they have so much good material to work with. That's what my, kills me. My understanding like, of I don't mind you changing the story. But make a good story. Yeah, my understanding was they kind of went more with like the Tim Drake story for this. Uh, yeah, for it's this it's one. definitely not. They well, it's it's Dick's. Uh, yeah, the Flying Graysons, yeah. or you know Dick's family. But I mean, I kind of yeah, get I why just, they didn't want to go with like the 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 fourteen year old Robin, but like you didn't need to go with the twenty nine year old Robin. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, Especially because they kind of go back and forth with it. Is he a kid when he's up there doing the? Yeah, he's, he's with his parents and his brother. Like that seems like a kid role. I don't they know. talk about social services, and you're like, I'm pretty sure this guy can buy alcohol. Yeah, what are they worried <laughs> about here? Um, you know, Chris O'Donnell was on a pretty hot run. He'd done School Ties and Sin of a Woman, and I haven't watched it in years. I don't know if it holds up, but I've got to shout it out: The Three Musketeers. Oh, it holds up. Don't you worry. <laughs> it does? Okay, good. If we want to do another throwback like we did for Robin Hood, I'm oh, happy yeah. to go through Three Musketeers again. Okay, we might get to that after Batman, actually. All right, principal photography begins September 1994. Uh, Kilmer and Schumacher clashed on set. Apparently, Kilmer was like notoriously just rude to the crew and kind of a spaz on set. Um, and also, uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones despised Jim Carrey. Yeah. Uh, and they frequently got in fights. At one point, he was actually shouting at him, at, him, at him on set. I hate you. I really don't like you. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> I just think that's <laughs> such a, like, well, I say, I say. Kind of yeah, thing. exactly. Uh, <laughs> Dallas's own foghorn leghorn there. But, uh. yeah. um, all right. Last but not least, the release, June 16th, 1995. Budget of $100 million, up from 80 on the last one, and almost double the cost of the first Batman six years earlier. Uh, opening weekend, fifty-two million, up from forty-five uh, on the second one. Worldwide gross, three th- three thirty-six million. That's up from the second, but still less than the uh, first. And this was the highest-grossing film for nineteen ninety-five, ahead of Apollo thirteen, Toy Story, Pocahontas, and another Jim Carrey movie, Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls. That is, uh, if 
fun fact just for our followers, that year at the Oscars is the best best picture selection that has ever occurred. Who was the 95 best picture? It was uh, Braveheart won. And it, they were up against Apollo 13 and uh, 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 two others that were just like, no, nope, all of these should have won in other years. Mm. And yeah, it's scanning just, through. It looks like seven came out that year. Yeah, seven was that one, which is absolute Brad Pitt's big jumping off point. Mm-hmm. This was it was a great year for movies, and then we got this Batman. Hey, we also got Mortal Kombat that year, so you know. Oh well, <laughs> oh, there it is. That's an Oscar worthy one. <laughs> all right, let's get into the plot. The movie opens with Batman suiting up in the Batcave, uh, really focusing on the new suit, the new Batmobile, the new Batman. I had forgotten that this movie opened with a line that I think was specifically designed to go in commercials. Alfred comes out and says, can I I persuade you to take a sandwich, sir? And Batman, I'll get (laughs) drive-thru. I think if I remember right, it was Taco Bell that had the the ad campaign for this one in 1995. Taco Bell put a bunch of money into movies. I mean, I remember that commercial. I'll get drive-thru and cut to the uh, Batmobile and the uh, Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, noticeably different Gotham, this movie, not quite as gothic, more vibrant, more colorful, more music video. Every, every building is like uplit with a different color in yeah. this one. You still got know, the gothic. There's so many spotlights. And I mean, yes, you're talking about the so music many. video feel before, uh-huh. like it's, everything's underlit is what is right, kind of right. disconcerting. Like, uh, bordering on lens flare for quite a bit of that. But, yeah. Uh, um, and so we uh, meet Tommy Lee Jones. He is hamming it up right off the bat uh, as Two-Faced, uh, flipping a coin with a cop hostage. Outside, we see Nicole Kidman uh, talking to Pat Hingle's Commissioner Gordon uh, as the bat glides down right in front of him. And uh, her first line of the movie is, hot entrance. She is so fucking thirsty for it in this film. <laughs> she is, there is a lot. A uh, lot going on through her mind. She's a big fan of the black leather. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. And she's basically like dressed in negligees for like half of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, the ridiculousness of their encounter in the apartment later is... Oh, is, yeah. Is what, I'm sure good for 13-year-old Mason. But I was about to say, you know, I want to know why this was such a big hit <laughs> for me at the time. <laughs> um, I will say I've got to call it out. Her accent's a little rusty in this movie. Her accent's slipping out quite a bit in this one. Yeah, um, I don't think they were uh, too worried about her talking for most of the movie. Nobody's no, listening. probably no. not. Probably we got you completely not. dressed. I just, it really made me think of how far uh, she's come. I've watched the, uh, what is it, Being the Ricardos recently, and she does, she's such a good oh, yeah. uh, impersonator now. She does yeah. a, a pretty good Lucy. Uh, um, and, uh, so many other things, of course, it's weird to see, hear her accent slipping out quite so much here. Um, so the elevator comes up, two faces gang blow their clips on a closed elevator door. Batman jumps out, uh, way more ninja in this movie than he ever was with Keaton. A lot, lot uh, definitely more kicks and some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, they, it's more of that superhero vibe where it's the gritty realism with uh, Tim Burton. He's just going to punch you like a boxer. And, yeah. Uh, this Batman is a master martial artist. We're also kind of showing off his gadgets a little more with some of this. Of course, he jumps right into the vault to save the cop. Um, and it's the most like 
it's a trap as the door shuts right <laughs> on him. Um, so yeah, no shit, Batman. Um, and then the cop in this scene is just, I, I don't know. I mean, the actor's not very good, but the way he's doing it is like Adam West camp Batman. Yeah. Oh my God, boiling acid. <laughs> I, I feel like that Schumacher had everyone watch the entire Adam West series. Yes. He was like, all right, this is what I'm going for, but we have way more money than they did in 1963. But it seems incongruous because like Kilmer's never doing any of that. You know, he's, he's pretty straight for the most part um so let's see uh batman is able to use the hearing aid to uh return the bank vault i guess to safety weird little this weird little tube vault that's like a safety deposit box that also has like rails so the whole thing will come off whatever Um, (laughs) uh meanwhile batman's attached to the helicopter two-face tries to shake him by flying directly through a giant billboard i don't think helicopters work that way uh, you know, it's a bold choice. It did, did work out for him. I'm pretty sure you're going down. I did like the uh, the goon flying the uh, helicopter. Um, apparently, they're on, a, uh, I guess, a first-name basis with the boss because he just keeps calling him, Hey, face! Face! Just, like, hey, face! It's like, hey, foot! You know? Um, but, of course, two, two, uh, it doesn't last long because Two-Face shoots him to shit trying to shoot the Batman. Yeah. Um, the helicopter goes straight into the Gotham Statue of Liberty. A uh, little weird, a little bit of like, took me out of it a little bit. You're like, well, that's the Statue of Liberty. It just has Gotham on its face. And I know Gotham's basically New York in the comics most of the time, but don't like remind me of that gap. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's just a uh, another American icon that Schumacher has no respect for. <laughs> Uh, the way he treats Batman and Robin, uh, yeah, he's also that way with the Lady Liberty. Batman, Robin, and Lady Liberty. Schumacher's yeah. just trashing so. it. Um, <laughs> and he, a, a number of uh, sort of aircraft escapes over watery islands in this movie. This is our first yeah. one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where do we go from there? We get a little news report. It's referring to him as Harvey Two-Face, which I thought was just a little weird. Either call him Two-Face or Harvey Dent. Um but then we transition to Wayne Enterprises, where Bruce visits the R&D department, I guess. Um, and we meet the head of the department, I guess, played by one Ed Bagley Jr. Go, always good to see a little Ed, Ed Bagley Jr. action. Did you see uh, there's another great character who is a credit for the movie, is Assistant. Oh, He's yeah. One we're of the gonna guys walking. Save that one. One of the right guys now. walking. And yeah. it's, uh, That's one of the uh, best. Uh, Crown, oh, Crown shit. Prince. Yeah. yeah, Crown Prince of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh-huh. John Favreau. And Star Wars as well. Yeah. And he doesn't have any lines. He's just there. No, he just walks through. Just there. Um, Yeah, that was one of those, like, hey, yeah, oh, good for you, Jared. um, On Ed Bagley Jr., he's playing this kind of weird, like, kind of 20s, kind of Victorian, like, you're fired, I say, where are you? You're two minutes late, (laughs) Nygma. Which, you know, kind of fits for the camp of it all. Um, Nigma pitches Bruce his brainwave machine that sends TV signals right into your brain, but R- Bruce rightfully recognizes that uh, manipulating brainwaves might be a little dangerous. Um, so he shuts him down. Um, and basically, N- N- uh, Nigma goes off and uh, eventually pushes uh, Ed Boss Bagley Jr. out of the window of Wayne Enterprises. Uh, bu- 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 lost my place. There we go. Um, so this is the point where we see Bruce Wayne has a tunnel pod from his office in Wayne Enterprises all the way to the Batcave. This was a little bit of like a 
all right, this is too future tech for <laughs> for this Batman. He was just having fun with cool stuff. Like, why wouldn't there be a zip line right into uh, the Batcave from Wayne Enterprises that everyone's ignoring? It's fine. Well, of course, yeah. yeah. Just dug right under the city, probably yeah. you know, 40, 50 miles of tunnel down there under yeah. Gotham. No big deal. Um, but uh, so Batman's going to uh, uh, the, the Bat Signal. Turns out it was Chase Meridian. Uh, we get the whole, the bat signal was not a beeper. Are you trying to get under my cape, doctor? He basically tells her, if you like guys in costume, go fuck a fireman, <laughs> which I love. Um, we get the great line, it's the car, right? Chicks love the car. There's <laughs> <laughs> just so many one-liners like that, that honestly, I feel like if Val Kilmer had played into the camp of these one-liners a little bit more, yeah. I would found this movie funny. Yeah. As opposed to just being annoyed by his Batman. Yeah, like there's a chance agree. for this to be the fun camp. And because of Al Kilmer, maybe that's what him and Schumacher fought over all the time. Yeah. He, he just want wasn't to go catching the, the tone. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, there's so many one liners like that that you're just like, why am I not laughing at this? Written, that should be something I'm laughing at. But the, yeah, if he just went I'm for it, the movie, 20% more, I think a lot yeah, of those. Just would give be me a little it. bit. Um, yeah, so she wants to fuck Batman. She's doing this whole like, you bring the wine, I'll bring the wine, you bring the scarred psyche. It's unclear if she's like purely just, you know, sexualizing him or there's also the like, oh, you're fucked up and I like it kind of yeah, part of it all. Bad boys. I got and, into psychiatry to find a date, apparently, is her whole life. Yeah, apparently. Um, and seems like it's working for her. I, um, I've never pulled Batman. That's pretty good for you, Dr. Yeah, Chase. Yeah. Of course, uh, things look like they might get a little frisky, but then Pat Hingle comes running out in his PJs. Oh, Batman, what's going on up here? Um, <laughs> and uh, pretty much cock blocks uh, Chase Marie yeah. on that one. Um, I do love the little beat that, that Kilmer takes when he lands back in the Batmobile and he's he's kind of he's a little hot and bothered. <laughs> yeah, just a little hot under the collar. He's yeah. gonna release the cape a little bit, you <laughs> yeah, know, pull the, at it. Yeah, the Let some steam out. <laughs> and then he has the little <gasps> women line. Um <laughs> let's see. So we already talked about uh uh Ed Bagley Jr. getting killed. Um most of this pre-Riddler stuff, I thought Jim Carrey did a better job with it than I remember. The one too far over the line for me is when he pushes him out the window and does the, there's that big kahuna, nice form, a little rough on the landing. You know, that's too uh, Ace Ventura or something. Yeah, for that's me. where it's the comedy point, not the, the killer for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, or you it's know, like, uh, you imagine that's a that's an improv Jim Carrey line too. Like oh, I would think so. Times, yeah. And they're just like, yeah, say whatever you want to. And that was the best take according to Schumacher. But even then it's like, okay, either go with the surfs up big kahuna or the, the, uh, the Olympics joke. Don't yeah. go for both. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get this GNN, the fake CNN news report of how Harvey Dent turned into two face. This cracked me up. I, I remembered it, but, but it, I, I don't remember it being quite so matter of fact. You see this like Tony Soprano looking guy on the stand and he's opening a bottle of acid like it's Fiji water or something. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, um, no security guard checked him on that one. It's nothing. Uh, um, and he throws it at Harvey Dent. And then we see Batman coming out of the, the viewing section, like slow-mo running to, to, to block <laughs> the acid. But I'm just going, so wait, was Batman just sitting in the court in his Batman yeah, hanging out? Yeah, outfit? Just, just like, what's kinda, up, everybody? <laughs> I want to see if Marodi gets behind bars. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested as you guys are. <laughs> 
I just, uh, it, you know, it's like, a, a, hey, we're going to establish Two-Face's origin story in uh, three words of dialogue or less. Um, <laughs> I just didn't remember it coming together quite so comically in that point. Yeah, this is another one of those points where I feel like we've gotten the comic books and the characters have become so much a part of the general zeitgeist. We don't need to have in-depth origin stories no. in these movies. No. This movie would have been better without this scene. And everybody could just be like, Two-Face is a freak. And if yeah. you want to know more than that, you can go find out. It's That's especially it. weird coming after we've already had like two or three scenes with him when you're like, yeah, at that point, you're already satisfied. You're like, oh, whatever. He's just a crazy, crazy dude. You know, yeah. he's, got, he's got some scarring. Yeah, it's fine. Um, of course, Bruce turns up at the office hearing about Bagley's death. Enigma uh, is putting on the cry for the cops. Talks about, I found the note in my cubicle. You'll find the handwriting matches exactly as does sentence structure and spelling. Um, he's just putting it on. Um, and this is where we get Bruce and the commissioner watching the doctor's security camera next to one John Favreau on the far left of the screen. There he is. Uh, so, cousin, I didn't have time to introduce it. We've had very different versions of this award uh, so far, but this is the uh, uh, whatever version of that uh, Flash Thompson is Deathstroke, kind of our yeah. old like the the glow up award for a uh, uh, you know an extra in a comic book movie to basically comic book movie you know royalty at this point. Um, let's see. Bruce receives his first riddle. Um, the riddles, I remember them being a much bigger part of the movie. They don't really, you know, we keep seeing Bruce try to solve them, but it doesn't really tie into the plot all that much. Yeah, they're just delivered. It's just, they're just moving pace along, I guess. I really hope with the Batman that comes out this time that it's a more involved riddle process, things that actually have to be figured out. Yeah, I kind of suspect it it, it will be with uh, Paul Nano playing the uh, the Riddler in that one. And yeah. The creepy, creepy looking outfit they've given him. Oh, all yeah. That. that looks great. Uh, so this is where Bruce goes to City Hall to see Dr. Meridian outside her office. Sounds like she's getting beat up or something. Actually, no, it sounds like she's hitting a punching bag, but Bruce takes that as someone's in danger. <laughs> and shoulders through this door to find her boxing. I just thought it was incredibly comical because it's this huge oak door. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, he could not break through it. Second of all, he would have broken his shoulder. Third of all, he sits there trying to clumsily prop it back up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a little too good of a shot from the side to see how hollow the door is, uh -huh. like how much of a prop this is. Yeah, balsa There's wood. There's real prop issues throughout the whole movie, but that one was like, ah, <laughs> uh, that's not that's just paint. That one didn't work. Um, uh, so yeah, there, there another really weird conversation between uh, Bruce and Chase. We get all this back and forth about wacko being a technical term and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then a extremely weird line, Bruce, I've really got to get you out of that dress, out of those clothes and into a black dress. It's like, all right, we get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? like, uh, is this not the line? That seems like, Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe it's just coming off a little weird here, you know, 20, 25 years, 30 years later, whatever. Yeah, it was, but, that's just how we talked back then. It's, yeah, it's fine. That's uh, not a line I recommend anyone using uh, anymore. Especially not the hero of the movie. Yes. Yeah. That's what it like, was, is you're really like, oh, wait, you're the creeper? Okay. Yeah. We let Max Shrek go a lot with that in our you know, last <laughs> yeah. episode. But that's, he's supposed to be a terrible person. Right. Exactly. Um, so they go to the Gotham Charity Circus uh, to see the Flying Graysons. A little weird that she, like, accepts the date, but then, like, the third line they say in the date, he's like, you want to go rock climbing with me? And she's like, I've met someone. It's like, well, why did you accept this date then? You know? <laughs> um, 
Also, uh, just general rule of thumb, Bruce, uh, first date Gotham. Maybe don't go to a place with clouds. <laughs> just, yes, yes. I'm going to bring it up again. What is going on in the city? Yeah. That every bit of entertainment is about a circus clown. After the last two movies' villains, how do you even let the circus inside yeah, your why city are they, uh, Keep them out of town. They're freaks. No, yeah. absolutely not. Oh, get out of here. Um, so, Two-Face is suddenly the ringmaster. Uh, we get the lock in the gates. Nigma's watching on TV, just loving every second of it. And this is the uh, – so Bruce just starts shouting, you know, I'm Batman, but nobody can hear him. Of course, like – I hate that. That's, I this hate is my, that. The funniest scene in the movie to me is that, first off, the doctor obsessed with Batman that's three inches away from you wouldn't hear you screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah, Batman. exactly. I, the whole crowd, we're supposed to hear it somehow from right. across what the camera said. It seems like we're across the, the <laughs> entire arena, but we hear it. I guess it's a funny sound effect of that particular dome. It's but also, man, really, that's one of my least favorite moments. Yeah, same. It, it, it's really, uh, this is where the, what this movie is about really starts to come out. It's about Bruce Wayne just desperately wanting to tell someone else he's Batman. Yeah, that's yeah. That's all that's happening. Um, so meanwhile, uh, the Flying Graysons uh, save, stop the bomb. Dick saves the day while his whole family very comically falls to their deaths. The, the slow motion is ridiculous, yeah, yeah. right? It's just so over the top. And I'm like. It's not even really clear, like, what makes them fall, you know? Yeah, there's, there's some shooting towards mm-hmm. the air at some point. Like, did they get shot? But we don't show that because that would have been too violent. And also. I mean, not to go with the too much into tropes, but every single superhero movie, we have the superhero where something like this happens. He just walks out and puts on his suit and comes back. When, when does that occur? Yes, Instead of standing yeah. up and yelling, I'm Batman. Which actually later in this movie, we see two quick changes in the limo. I guess yeah. something similar happened here, but it does take a little bit of the magic out of it. Yeah, I'm just like, come on now. Um, so Bruce takes Dick back to Wayne Manor. Um, once again, we have a 37 year old ward. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, uh, social services and all that, a little, little weird. Um, basically entices him to stay with motorcycles and a cheeseburger, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, then we go back to the deaths of Thomas and Martha Wayne, falling pearls and all having a little PTSD flashback. This whole thing is one of my least favorite parts of this movie. Um, aside from the fact that both then and now we have been inundated with these fucking pearls. Yeah. Yeah. I know that image is always used. It's used in the comics in multiple times. It's, it's, it's uh, one thing I never need to see on screen again. I really yeah, don't. You're fine. Um, it's uh yeah, it's that it's Spider-Man being bit by the spider. I don't mm-hmm. need to see the sl- slow moving spider ever again. again. Yep. It's, uh, you know, I don't know what it's adding. I mean, I guess, He's really going into psychoses with this is the idea from the screenwriters here because they're talking about the PTSD. Yeah, he's, he's having dreams even while he's awake. It's like determining what the, the technical term wacko like there's a bunch yeah. of like they want to go into the psychology of a superhero. It's funny. The, I never it just you know, never rings true for me. Well, it's also like, can somebody get this guy a room in Arkham? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not well. A, a thin line between hero and villain. Um, let's see. Um, then we get this kind of weird Batman goes out for a little chase scene with two face grappling hook drives up vertically the side of the building. 
kind of an unnecessary chase scene. I didn't need this at all. The driving up the side of the building. I do. I do have distinct memories of that being super cool as a ten year old. I was like, oh, he's driving up. See, I think <laughs> I, even I, at like twelve, I was like, well, okay, but what happens when he gets to the top? You yeah, see, I, I had no concerns. I just thought it was the greatest thing. Like, does he drive um, across the roofs? Does he go back down the other side of the building? Yeah, How does that what's work? The, what's the jump here? You're looking too much into it. Ten-year-old Alec had it right. It was just us. <laughs> I've got to say, I've seen the Batmobile doing a lot of cool things, but just the, uh, look, I can drive straight up a building. It's so, <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Though, I don't know, probably still better than the uh, skinny Batmobile we got last week that can drive That's through true. alleys. The, the, the absolute, yeah, the, there's nothing, the, nothing was working for that one. And then we go back to Nigma's weird little apartment. He's trying to come up with a good supervillain alias. Uh, of course, he basically has it already in his little uh, big coin machine, you know, yeah. uh, Riddler case. I just wanted to note in this scene, I love when going back to like early 90s movies that um, seeing like the the computer OS that they're using and it's, you know, it's pre-Windows, pre-mouse. So it's a lot yeah. of just tapping on the keyboard um, yeah. and making images like move to a place. I just I'm always like... That's it, it, never how it worked. You know, no. it, it never no. worked that way. Um, no understanding. No one on the set understood how to use a computer. That's, no. that's very clear. <laughs> um, so back at Two Faces Lair, this is when we really get introduced to Two Faces' little like split abode that he's got, um, and we get our introduction. Again, this is Schumacher at his best, I think. Yeah, and yeah. When he does the this set, this is the best set in the whole thing. I really like and the aesthetic on this one. I've seen a lot of complaints about how goofy this this how this is like the most hated scene of the movie. It didn't hit me that. See, way at I all. thought this was if you're gonna be that campy guy. Yeah, this is the best part. I've heard and a lot of people. I, like, also, I still think Drew Barrymore. May look better than even Nicole Kidman in this when she's playing the angel. I was all I'm all about her. One hundred percent. This is Apex Mountain for Drew Barrymore's just yeah. just beautiful. Um, yeah. uh, Debbie Mazar. Uh, so Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazar are playing kind of the angel and the devil. They're actually uh, sugar and spice. Yep. And so that uh, two faces everything nice. We get the split room, the two cigarettes, the two dinners. Um, the line that cracked me up from uh, De- Debbie Mazar's character, she's like, I made your favorite. It's sterno and grain alcohol straight up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sterno? You mean like the 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 fire liquid stuff? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Nygma turns up as the Riddler. Um, I just want to say amazing cane work from Jim Carrey in this movie. He's flipping that uh, thing around and Jim Carrey's the whole time is my favorite part of the movie. Every scene, even in the last scene, I didn't say it, but when he's watching Tommy Lee Jones, I was more entertained by him laughing at the television as most of what was happening in the chase. (laughs) That Um, was more entertaining. And I, despite the fact that they obviously, or at least Jones, despite uh, despised Carrey, I think they're really good together in this. I don't, I, it, yeah, it, they it play off each other really well. I think it's the best part of the movie is their interactions. It's crazy that he hated him, but good on you, Tommy Lee, for getting through it because you were the most works. watchable part. Yeah, they, you know, we got the great like that's never going to heal unless you stop picking it, um, and all this like uh, post homicidal <laughs> depression. Better humiliate him first. This back and forth. I just thought it was really good. Um, Nigma shows off his uh, little brain box, and I love uh, Two Face's reaction. He like kind of uh, for a second, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, I'll have a bit more, please, thank you." Um, <laughs> I think Two Face is at his best in this movie with those quick little 
little lines where it's yeah. like a hard left from the previous line. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like serious maniac previously and then just goes into, oh, like uh, particularly at the end when he's like full maniac and then does the like, oh, I'm sorry, Bruce, you're right. You're a good friend. You know, <laughs> he <Yeah>. changes into, <laughs> into Southern Tommy Lee Jones for a minute. Um, let's see here. So the, the whole Digma machine also is one of my least favorite props because the it's just a suction cup. Yeah, and a blender. Yeah, it evolves <laughs> like, a little bit. It's like a suction cup dildo, and then a, a blender suction cup thing. That uh, yeah, and I was just like, "Who did you guys make this? Like, you had a hundred million dollars in nineteen ninety five. No <laughs> yeah. one could come up with something better than this plunger that you're sticking in between people's eyes." Like, yeah, uh, and and particularly the giant blender out in Gotham Harbor that's yeah. absorbing all this stuff. It's <laughs> like, especially for tech that's designed for TVs, like make it look like TV antennas or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anything they could have got a lot of different directions, but I, that one really sticks with me. So and just watching, I was like, "What? Is, what is he building this with? <laughs> this is what Wade Enterprises had to offer their research scientists." Yeah, plunger. right. Um, so the whole deal is basically Two Face. You help me steal funding from my box. I'll help you figure out who Batman is, is and then they start getting a little fun team up. They rob a little diamond exchange. Um, from there, we go back to Wayne Manor for a little kung fu laundry, bro. There's a dryer right there. <laughs> what are you doing chris o'donnell even as a kid i was just like i don't think that works you know yeah. just swinging your shirts around doesn't really dry them you know? yeah i'm not you know what force you must be creating here that centripetal force is really yeah. wringing the water out but I, uh and, and just all the, of the all of the robin seeds are just they're upsetting i i, I just imagine um the the sort of creative process behind this of like, all right, we got to introduce Robin and he's this like cool, sexy young dude. What? How do we establish him? Let's have him do laundry. Yeah, <laughs> like, what? exactly. What were your other pitches? Yeah, was, like I'm was surprised he, like, he wasn't scrubbing a toilet in the yeah. other option. Like, what? you think you would have had him well, on, you know, skateboarding or something? <laughs> yeah, you know, but, put him out on a motorcycle and, and, and you do like they do in the next movie and have him race some people. That's 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 better. But no. I will say I like the uh, I, I I Robin grates on me, but I like the Robin Alfred stuff a little bit. I just think I think this is uh, Michael Gow's best Alfred movie. Um, he gets a little more chance to shine when it yeah. was just him and Keaton, and Keaton didn't want to talk, so it was tough to really give him any good lines. But this one, yeah, I love the bit when um, uh, Robin's trying to get into the little closet that leads to the pack cave, and he says, "Hey, hey, Al, what's behind there? Uh, Master Wayne's dead wives." <laughs> Like, wait what i don't remember that line uh and then just gives him a little bit it's the silver closet on your way pip pip um so then we get enigma's big coming out speech and this is where he's starting to look like bruce wayne which i i'd forgotten that aspect of it um particularly in the party scene later i, I some of that stuff's really good uh but this is where we first see all these weird like green brain waves going out of people's windows through the city yeah. um you know, I mean, we've we've ragged on the Gotham authorities not being the most up and up with, you know, Pat Hingle commissioner and all that. But, like, does the EPA not have anything to say about they're this? Not, like, yeah, not a, they're not big fans. They're not doing well. They're still over at Ace Chemicals cleaning up that shit. They don't have yeah. their funds to be dealing with anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I just think I'd be one of those people in the apartment building where it's like, I can't fucking sleep because all this green shit <laughs> in there. Damn neon lights coming through my window. <laughs> um. 
But so then we go back to the Batcave and Alfred's trying to go down to the Batcave. Um, but just to make sure where Dick is, you know, he's way like up on the fourth floor or something. Um, and this is Dick's big like, I'm going to trick my way into the Batcave. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a whole bunch of swinging and stuff that seems like it would have taken way longer than just running down the stairs. Um, but the part that really cracked me up is the moment where Alfred actually puts the key in and goes through there. And then Dick yells to no one but himself, now, as he jumps down. <laughs> it's like, we get it. You can just jump, dude. You know, we all have to pump ourselves up in our own way. Yeah. You know? I guess that's his hype. His, that's, his, that's his thing. Yeah, he's his own hype man. And Visual basically, he falls down the stairs and finds out, oh, shit, my sugar daddy's Batman. Um Really kind of comical the way he kind of bounces down those steps and all the silver yeah. goes bouncing down there after him. And then Alfred's just, just down there like, oh, shit, again. <laughs> yeah, and again, for that was one of those scenes where this is the guy to me that's the coolest character in DC Comics. And he falls down some stairs to figure <laughs> out that it's Batman. And it just, the comic book nerd in me is, is furious. I'm like, that is not how it would happen. <laughs> no. I, I mean, do not can, accept you. You can do better than that, guys. Come on. Um, so yeah, Bruce goes back to Chase's place for a little therapy to talk about his dreams. Uh, this is where he sees she's got like a whole menagerie of Batman magazines and stuff. And he calls her on being a little obsessed with it. Um, but right as they start getting to the smooches, his like Dick Tracy watch lights up. <laughs> and I know, you know, it, it registered for me. That is a good me. description, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got Alfred sitting there going, uh, he took the, the car, sir. Ooh, he boosted the Jag. No, the car, sir. Oh, the Bentley? No, the other car, sir. <laughs> so they're being, like, coded in front of Dr. Meridian, but at no point is Dr. Meridian like, what the fuck? You've got a video phone watch? What the hell? <laughs> Listen, he literally stood up and yelled, I'm Batman in front of her, and she didn't get it. So I think that this is not a problem anymore. She's, yeah. She is the least observant psychiatrist in history. <laughs> yeah, like somebody, you picked the wrong profession. Is there a medical board or something that can uh, Yeah, we need a review here. <laughs> Everyone else in her practice would have been like, well, that's Batman. So Yeah. Um, and, and we, I think we skipped past it, but earlier the little Warshack test on her wall, he's like, Oh, you got oh, a thing yeah. for bats. And she's like, well, actually no, it's an ink blot test. And I'm like, no, that's a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. But, um, so sure enough, master Dick takes the Batmobile down to blacklight city. Um, we get a lot of that. That's not Batman. That's bat boy. Um, and we get this like neon colored gang. I mean, I'm really like. What do the what do their clothes look like when the light, the black lights aren't on? You know, are they just painting like neon shit on their clothes? Whatever. Um, I did think. Also, it was a, why are there so many black lights on? Well, why, that mainly. What is this disgusting place that we're getting so blacklit? Like, I don't want to see all of these walls like this. this no, not, definitely. I don't want to know how these got painted. No, no, definitely not. Even if you replaced every street light in Gotham with a black light, you still wouldn't get enough glow from what, what yeah. they're, what's going <laughs> for on. For what they're scene. going for. I mean, this is like fucking laser tag. Is yeah, what it made me that think. That is, of. yes. It yeah. looks like a laser. I didn't. That's yeah. perfect. That is the uh, perfect description. Which I kind of think is what they were going for, but it's I'm this sure. weird kind of upsetting thing where there's this like wholesome looking blonde chick and like 30 creeps yeah, about to do I don't want to specify to this yeah. poor girl. Um, but apparently she was not that traumatized because um, when uh, Dick kind of sets her free, she's 
don't you ever kiss the girl? She was about to get sexually assaulted, but she's like, well, yeah. I get a kiss from the supposed Batman on my way out. Um, and then suddenly <laughs> there are hundreds of these freaks until the real Batman shows up to save him. Um, back home, Bruce explains how killing Harvey won't make the pain go away. Really goofy. Bruce walks into his little bat suit holder and then walks out with this like tucked in white tee into sweatpants. Yeah, it was. You don't see the tucked in tee into sweatpants much anymore. Again, the the prop choices, the wardrobe choices. I just don't get it. I don't get what they're going, what they're doing. Like you'd figure Val Kilmer's casual wear in 1995 would have been better than this little sweat. Yeah, just let him walk (laughs) in whatever he walked in on set with. That would have been fine. Val Kilmer dressed nice enough to be Bruce Wayne. It's okay. But uh, despite Dick's protestations, Bruce refuses to train or partner with him. Um, And so we go to the Ritz Gotham, uh, more neon at Nygma's big party. Um, I (laughs) thought it was hilarious when I forgot Dick came to the party. And Alfred, yeah. he has to like ride up front with Alfred. And when Alfred yeah. like lets him out, it's like dad dropping his kid off at school or something. <laughs> Have a fun time at your sleepover. And uh, I guess this is the first time we mention it, but I'll call it out here. His fucking earring just drove me crazy this whole movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's more of the trying to be cool. Like Schumacher's like kids like yeah. earrings. But it's such a weird, like, you know, at the time I'm thinking it was either like a little bead or a a little ring. This is like a thick gauge, like pirate ring kind of thing, Yeah, Yeah. Um, which just doesn't look good on white boy Chris O'Donnell. Um, But the party is is supposed to be playing the boy next door, not not this guy. Right, exactly. Um, I love the stuff at the party here between uh, Bruce and Nygma. Um, We get the whole, how's my mole? Uh, We're... Uh, carries yeah. just everything uh, you know <laughs> Bruce Wayne puts on glasses Nigma puts on the same glasses Bruce takes his off Nigma takes his off it's just like um, Nigma's kind of in love with Bruce Ray- Wayne in this movie actually yeah this is, and it's actually where I like Val Kilmer the best in the movie is playing off Jim Carrey yeah yeah as I, I feel like Jim Carrey was bringing was the only one bringing energy I think everyone else seems to be upset that they're on set Yes. I think they, they, yeah. whether they're fighting with Schumacher or they think it's too goofy or they didn't want to be in a comic book movie to begin with. Like, I love the uh, Jim Carrey is is you know what I'm just damn damn happy to be here. And yeah, so I'm he's just doing it. Energy. I'm getting paid twenty million dollars to be yeah, here. Yeah, so. I'll do whatever you want, as many takes, and everybody else has complained. But they, I feel like everybody goes up a little notch when it's just yeah. him and Jim. I think he. Uh, I love the bit between him and uh, Nicole Kidman here when he's like, "Let's dance," and then he starts doing this just ridiculous, like it's half yeah. tango, half cha cha. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I, I think Kidman's just like along for the ride, like just trying to stay upright. Just, she's getting tossed. That's what's funny about it to me is yeah. her clearly just going like, oh, "Okay, Jim, what, yeah, whatever, you know? you're in charge, but <laughs> I'm following. Gonna go with it." Yeah. Um, and then uh, the the Two Face shows up and wrecks the party. I'm not really sure why. Uh, uh, Riddler's a little pissed, like you know we didn't plan this and all that. Um, but this is where we get Bruce running out the back door for the quick change in the limo. Um, pretty quickly, of course, uh, Dick Grayson also follows for a quick change in the limo, but he doesn't have his fancy bat suit yet, so he's basically just back in his, <laughs> his back circus in the outfit. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, bu- 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 I did like uh, Jim Carrey's line there when he's kind of getting mad at Two Face. He's uh, patience, oh bifurcated one. 
Uh, we could have organized. We could have planned. We could have pre-sold the movie rights. Um, I, I like a little bit of that uh, kind of meta stuff there. But this whole little fight scene in the club, uh, Val Kilmer stuntman. Kilmer is nowhere to be found. This dude is much bigger and beefier yep, than Kilmer, yep. has a much more kind of square jaw, but they're just like, fuck it, we're just doing it. Yep. Um, so what else? Uh, we do get the little reference to Alfred being like, well, I'll get fired for this. I hope they take me back at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> it's like, um, Alfred, what are you doing working for the Waynes, man? If you get yeah, into man, Buckingham Palace, yeah. I mean, at least the Joker's not coming to burn down Buckingham, you know? Um, let's see. Chase Meridian steals a little spooch on Batman and basically in the middle of all this madness invites him over for a booty call. Um, <sighs> I know people are getting shut up, but my house midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, and Batman follows two face by jumping off the building, like 80 stories down into this weird little manhole thing. They try to blow him up. The suit saves him. Um, but uh, Two-Face brings the building down on him, so this is basically setting up the big heroic Robin-saving-Batman moment. Uh, let's see. So we go back to the Batcave, um, and this is where we get Dick kind of asking, Batboy, Nightwing? I mean, Dick is like, I'm in this. I don't care what you say. I'm yeah. in this, so let's I'm just ready. go. Let's do it. Um, I'm your partner now. He says, hang this by the Batsuit. Uh, let's see. Uh this is where Alfred is basically encouraging Bruce to go tell Chase Meridian how you feel. So we get the uh, very sexy, sleeping naked Chase Meridian um, and wrapped up in the sheet as Batman comes uh, to her window. And I this was weird for me because it's like we've established to this point in the movie, this chick is obsessed with Batman. And yeah. the second Batman's like, you want the D? She's like, actually, I met somebody. Like, she just can't make up her mind, you know? Yeah, no. She doesn't know. When she's with Bruce, Harvey, she wants to Harvey's be with... not the only person with split personalities in the movie. <laughs> yeah. She's just jumping all over the place. That little black and white doll thing she has is basically yeah. just like the both right sides there. of her libido kind yeah. of thing. Um, and of course, when she says, I'm wishing you were Bruce Wayne, he just smiles real big. He's just like, oh, she likes me for me. <laughs> it's just like, this is, he's just That's a another moment that Val Kilmer smile where I'm like, this is why you're not a good Batman. Mm -hmm. No, this moment is not okay. <laughs> Even smiling. It just seems like fake as fuck. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just Val. Yeah. He's never Batman. He's fine as Bruce Wayne. All yeah. the scenes where he's Bruce Wayne, he's fine as Bruce Wayne, but he never becomes Batman. Yeah. He's just a, a guy in a suit. <clears throat> yeah. So Chase arrives at uh, the Wayne Manor for a little dinner on Halloween as Dick raids the Batcave. Um, <clears throat> Bruce and Chase really tried to tell each other the truth here, but then Chase knocks over some roses, which triggers another like weird panic episode from Bruce. Yeah, we can't handle it. Which I'm like, it's okay, if roses trigger you, don't have them all over your house. Why has Alfred put them in all of these <laughs> glass vases that you can clearly see them so well? Hey, maybe you're onto something there. This is all really um, like uh, uh, Alfred fucking with Bruce, just like keeping him <laughs> hostage. This is why he got fired from Buckingham. He yeah. Kept, you know, showing old pictures of their dead dad to yeah. Queen Elizabeth. He kept trying to trigger him with, uh, with, yeah. with everything. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, uh, where are we? So once again, we get the the this flashback, all this bullshit about his dad's journal, which doesn't really pay off. It's just like the I realized my life would never be the same. Well, yeah, no shit, your parents are dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> and we get the yeah, we get the running and falling into the Batcave and seeing the bat and all that. Um, and this is the moment where, as they kiss, she like instantly realizes, oh, he's Batman. You know, you like you yeah. see the like that she's, was like, rubbing her lips with this like, oh my god, I figured something out. <laughs> but then, of course, this is right when the Riddler and Two Face show up as trick or treaters. Man, uh, shouldn't we have a little better security than a peephole? At Wayne Manor, just a suggestion. You, you would think so, but I will also say that them running through the house and blowing stuff up in like the camp and the laugh mm-hmm. and uh, just the way they're both acting through this whole scene is probably my favorite scene of the movie. It's pretty good. I, yeah. It's, uh, I, I enjoy just how the ecstatic destruction scene, it's like uh, like office space when they're blowing up uh-huh. you know, the fax machine. It's just satisfying. I'm almost cheering for them at this point to be <laughs> so happy to be there to beat up the guy that they wanted to beat up so much. It's a weird like uh, kind of split scene where the uh, Two-Face and all his guys are like just kind of comically chasing Chase and Bruce around in circles uh, while he's flipping the coin, hoping for a for a, a go for the kill. Um, meanwhile, the Riddler's kind of off doing his own thing. This is some of the points that, that Carrie, and I don't know if it's Carrie's fault, but th- it was just a little too much for me. It was the like, if I was a superhero, where would I hide? And then he finds the Batcave and says, spank me. It's like, it's the a spank little- me line is, I don't see why that's part yeah. of Enigma's character. Nothing, that, that doesn't make it. That's Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's Jim Carrey. It's it's Ace Ventura um, yeah. on that. And then stuff like Joygasm. Like, well, all right. I don't need that in my Batman. Um, but yeah, he gleefully <laughs> wrecks the uh, Yeah, the we only cave. want dark orgasms in our Batman. No yes, joy. Yes, no joygasms. No thank you. <laughs> Get those out of here. I will say, throughout this movie, um, and I don't know what you can really do about it when uh, Riddler's costume is basically spandex, but there's a lot of pretty gratuitous crotch shots on Jim Carrey <laughs> in this movie. Like, yeah, seen way too much about, about more about his anatomy than I ever wanted to know. Yeah, they, 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 another uh, add it to the list of the awkward prop set choices that, that that get to us. And I've actually heard it called out. You know, the big joke of Batman and Robin was the the cod pieces really going to a ridiculous yeah. level in that movie. But I think the Schumacher obsession with crotches really starts right here in Batman. It starts Forever. here. He just uh, amplifies as he would. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, finally, Two-Face gets the go-ahead from the coin. Um, he shoots at Bruce, grazes him, and then really comically slides like down two flights of stairs to the bottom yeah. of the stairs. Yeah, that's great. It's like a like a Mary Poppins slide, right? Yes. Like, where yeah. it's like nothing's really happening. She's still the whole time. And uh-huh. I, I enjoyed that. Another part. See, that that I enjoyed. I, I'm still, this is a scene that I love. I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah. So they kidnap Chase. Um, and then basically Bruce and Alfred are trying to figure out this last riddle. I did enjoy Alfred again, just, just throwing some fire in this one. He's like, you really are quite bright, sir. Despite what people say. Yeah. <laughs> the sassafras on this old man. Come yeah. on. Man. Um, so what do we got? New suits, new rides, Batman and Robin head off for the big finale. Um, yeah, you get that that five minutes of here are the toys that we will be sending you before Christmas. One hundred percent. That Warner Brothers was like, oh, so excited! I'm so glad we went with Schumacher. That's <laughs> what we yeah, we got a new Batwing. We got a new Bat the boat thing. Bat I guess. boat. 
Um, and then, of course, we got uh, Commissioner Gordon's like, eh, Batman's not coming. Um, and then Batman flies through the bat signal and gives this kind of silly thumbs up to Commissioner yeah. Gordon, who. Yeah, like, like the Top Gun style. Like, yeah. I got this. Who presumably could not see, you know, Batman way up <laughs> in the air giving him that thumbs up. But Yeah. Um, I will say this takes the incompetence of the Gotham City Police Department to a whole new level in this one. Yeah, just it's. Like, it's uh, yeah, comic, true comic buffoonery. Like, what are they even doing? It's like, don't even bother sending in the cops until yeah. Batman has checked it out first. And yeah. if Batman's not coming, well, it's just it's too bad. <laughs> we have no other options. So the bad guys uh, they play a little battleship. Uh, we get some mines blowing up. Robin's boat blows to shit, and the little divers kind of catch him. So Bruce has to uh, uh, go down in the water to kind of save him. Um this kind of comically torpedo launches himself to save Robin and then like nets the scuba guys. Um, and then we get to the little, uh, the little Island, uh, holy rusted metal Batman. Best line of the movie. Come <laughs> on. And then he explains it. And then he That's explains what I, it. I think the explanation yeah. is my favorite part. It's like when you tell a bad joke and yeah. then you think maybe the person didn't hear you when they didn't laugh, but they heard you. It just wasn't funny. <laughs> well, it's like they thought if he just said, holy rusted metal Batman, they'd be like, well, okay, that's a little too on the nose trying to be like Adam West. Throw an explainer line in there so it seems like yeah, a logical it, thing yeah, to say. Yeah. yeah, now we got it. It's fine. Because people totally talk like that. Yep. Um, so Robin uh, starts punching up Two-Face. The island starts moving around so they get separated. Robin gets the upper hand on Two-Face but, of course, tries to do the honorable thing and save him. Guys, if you're in a major motion picture, don't save the bad guy. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> I get uh, that we all want to be heroes, but every now and then the Punisher's right. It always backfires on you, you yeah. know? Um, and uh, so Two-Face says, see you in hell. Robin's big comeback. I'd rather see you in jail. <laughs> and then he gets Did that would make again. you, like, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. like Actually, if I'm Two-Face in that moment, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to let myself go after that yeah, line. Yeah, I, no. I don't feel like you're a rival anymore. <laughs> no. That was the line, I think, at the very end of it that I was like, why, Dick? They did you so bad, Dick. You were, <laughs> uh, and then Batman inside basically escapes the trash compactor and uh, pops up in the Riddler's lair. Um, this Riddler hairdo and outfit always freaked me out a little bit. You know, he's goofy the whole movie, but you kind of go with the weird devil horns at this yeah. point. And the white spandex is just that much creepier. Um, and then, of course, we get the, if knowledge is power, then a god am I. Um, <laughs> I did like that they acknowledged this. Was that too much? I can never tell. Like, that's yeah. kind of a meta, like, Jim Carrey. Well, that will be on Jim Carrey's tombstone. Was that too yeah. much? I can never tell. <laughs> Um, but now both Robin and Chase are captured. The whole which will you save? You know, we've seen that in Batman, very uh, Dark Knight, uh, uh, Rachel Rachel Dawes or uh, Harvey Dent, who you going to save yep. kind of thing. Um, Batman stalls with a riddle and then basically takes the whole thing down just by throwing a batarang at it, which yeah. starts melting Nygma's face like melted <laughs> wax. Um that really disturbed me as a kid. I remember that part when he when he unearthed the Riddler all melted. It was just like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. Nope, nope. Um, so Robin and Chase fall, but Batman saves both MJ and Ned, excuse me, saves both Dick and Chase. <laughs> um, excuse me, both, uh, yeah, both Chase and Robin. There we go. Oh, wait, 
but Two Face is still hanging around. Uh, but this is where Batman does the "Don't forget your coin, Harvey." Now we've talked yeah. a little before about this whole like Batman doesn't kill thing, which doesn't really hold up in the movies because he pretty much kills every somebody in every movie he's in. Yeah. And this if you pretty watch much, Snyder, he's the Snyder Batman's killing people left and right. So oh, mur- yeah, murder spree. Murder uh, yeah. The, Snyder, the Snyder Batman. Um, but here, I mean, he basically kills him. You know, I mean, what does he think is going to happen when he throws a handful of coins up at him? Yeah. Um, but once again, I love the line. Oh, Bruce, thank you. You've always been a good friend. I just <laughs> just the, the way the Southern comes out there. I just love. Yeah, it. and he tries to make his face look more uh, calm. Yeah, you know, even yeah. with the makeup on it, he tries to just release all the tension. Yeah, I just love the it, way uh, he can kind of switch back and forth with it. It's very just, impressive. It's really good. I know Tommy Lee Jones is like famously one of the most crotchety actors in Hollywood. Yeah. But he does great work. What can you say? Well, yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of his movies. I'm, it, he's not crotchety to me. I don't have to suffer through it. So no, I'm, I'm not on set with him. Yeah, it's it's fine by me. Uh, so we get a little speech about how uh, he's Bruce Wayne. He's not Bruce Wayne or Batman. He's Bruce Wayne and Batman because he chooses to be, which it feels like they're like trying to like really. I really kind of, feel like this is like the screeners are trying to give like a psychological resolution. To yeah, the, yeah. Thematic yeah, the, kind of fulfillment that didn't really feel like that's what the movie was about. well at all. I think it was all the, all the relationship stuff with Chase is where they're trying to do that. The pick one or the other, you know, you got to pick both. Right. I guess is the what they're trying to make the point, but but turns uh, out you don't. Miss, guys, yeah, maybe and you did it, better in Pompeii. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but in Arkham Asylum, uh, Doctor Chase Meridian checks on Nigma, who is claiming to be Batman, flapping around like a loon in a straitjacket. Uh, one thing I never picked up on as a kid: the doctor that is standing there with Chase Meridian is referred to as Doctor Burton. Yeah, and he has the full Tim Burton blowout well, black uh, hairdo. Hair. So a little, I don't know, a if nice a little, reference to Tim. A little shade. I think it was a reference because he actually Burton is a producer on the film. I think that's kind of an honorary credit, but uh, uh, yeah, throwing a little acknowledgement his way. Um, and then outside Arkham, she says, "Your secret is safe." He's definitely a wacko. They smooch while Alfred watches really creepily, kind of like, "Yeah, Bruce, get it." Um, He's just working up his next one-liner to make him feel bad. <laughs> just, yes. He's, he's, he's like, oh, yes, I can't, add, I can't wait to add another dead wife to the wife room. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so basically the last line is uh, the movie is uh, don't work too late. Um, subtext, uh, mama needs her bat dick tonight, so don't, yeah. don't stay out too late. Um, and that's it. Uh, credits under U2's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. I had forgotten. So the big uh, musical hit from this was, of course, Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose on uh, the grave. Which I was like, and Joel Schumacher also directed that Muse video, which is mostly just (sighs) Seal singing in a black room with shots from the movie coming in. in. Um, But I was like, wait a minute, where's Seal? It doesn't come in until it like fades in halfway through the song really late in the credits. It was weird. It was like, it's, it's not even in the movie. Yeah, I think that was a surprise hit. I didn't know. I don't know if they thought that, that they thought U two was going to be the one that uh, yeah. won for him, a more popular band. But I mean, Kiss from a Rose—that's an all timer. Everybody knows that. Our generation, everyone's heard that. Dance to it. Oh, hundred percent. I'll break it down for you if you really want me to. But we don't have that. My, I think my voice is a little blown this hour. Oh yeah. Uh, well, let's save my that for my power, my pleasure, my pain. Sorry. Um, it's all right. 
The only connection that song has to this movie is the recurring bit about the roses causing Bruce PTSD. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a, a little kiss from a kiss yeah, from a rose. It's not good. I've never figured out what it meant. Maybe that's it. Yeah. But that was, I remember much more than the previous two. This, uh, this movie was in the the pop culture, the MTV culture, because it had multiple music videos from it, and and all the actors coming to the you know VMAs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I think it was definitely more. I mean, when you look at the actors that are involved, it's definitely more uh, popular actors. Like nobody's inviting Michael Keaton to go speak at the VMAs. Nobody thinks he's going to be a good <laughs> presenter. Right, you right. Know? But getting Nicole Kidman or Jim Carrey up there, okay. Yeah, they're excited. They're ecstatic. Okay. And even Chris O'Donnell, probably. Yeah, I guess uh, I had actually had a new kind of award category for you here that I wanted to start looking at with all the movies we do. Was this as good as it ever got for anybody that was in the movie? And I think there's a pretty strong argument to make that this is like the peak of Chris O'Donnell's career in terms of fame and you know in terms at least- of film sure but uh you got one of those ncis that's run for like 13 seasons oh yeah like yeah 100 percent. but i mean you don't you don't you don't go to an ncis until you're on the down slope oh, you know what okay. i'm saying okay, that's what we're saying yeah <laughs> yeah uh, it may have been his big big swing you could kind of say batman and robin but this was more no batman and robin uh i mean it'll be I, I on would the say next lessons like, the fact the moment that he got asked back for Batman and Robin is the peak of his career. It's only down yeah. from and there. I, you know, let's, I, I would say that's where he had the most negotiation power with his agent that he had at any point yeah, in yeah. his film career. Um, and then last but not least, do you want to nominate anybody for the uh, renamed Lords of the Ham? Uh, the hammiest stuff. You know, the obvious thing for me was, you know, Jim Carrey or Tommy Lee Jones in this one. Sure. But, but Jim Carrey's doing Jim Carrey. So, you know, I don't know that I, you know. You were expecting it. Yeah. Whereas both, I think both Nicholson and Danny DeVito um, are are candidates for this Hall of Fame because they're doing something that's so different from anything else they did in their careers. Sure. Um, even Tommy Lee Jones is, uh, he's going ham, but he's hamming it up in a way that he's kind of done a little bit before. I mean, there's a little bit of this ham in like JFK even. And uh and I feel like most of it is just in response, just trying to keep up with uh, Jim Carrey's energy. I don't know yeah. if, if it had been a different Riddler, if we might have had a completely different Two-Face. Right, right. Um, so it's good ham, but I wouldn't call it like all-time ham, especially because uh, I particularly enjoyed um, his brief part in Natural Born Killers, where he's basically playing this this same character as Two-Face, yeah. where he's just like <laughs> fucking crazy and ah. Um, so I wouldn't go all-time ham on that one. Any other awards yeah. you've got to give out, cuz? Uh, no, I, I think the nipples on the bat suit for me was the plunger that they made into a super technical device that sucked <laughs> you right out. I should I specify this movie is kind of the origin of nipples on a bat suit. Um, you know, I think pop culturally, everybody laughs about the Batman and Robin costumes, again, the cod pieces and the giant nipples, yeah. but this is the beginning of nipples on a bat suit. This is what begins. I think for me, nipples on a bat suit is Chris O'Donnell's earring. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's completely out of place. We called out uh, John Favreau uh, for that, so that is our awards. Okay, last uh, couple couple uh, new kind of questions for you. What's your favorite thing about this movie? Because the one thing that you think worked the best, either moment or just broadly the performance. You mentioned Jim Carrey quite a bit. You could, I, you know, it, it is Jim Carrey for me. I've been saying it, uh, but it's, um, you know, we talk about 
<clears throat> villains being made in a superhero universe and being reflective of the director, Jim mm-hmm. Carrey was the character Joel Schumacher wanted him to be. Like, oh, that's yeah. what Schumacher was looking for. So in that regard, I'll give him credit for being the best at what he was supposed to deliver. Mm-hmm. I, I think the idea behind this movie is flawed. I mean, Schumacher's just got too many flaws coming into it for anyone to really nail something. So yeah. Uh, I'll I'll give it to Jim for his uh, over the top role. I mean, some of his wide lighters obviously went too far, but there's a lot of it that I think really works as the Riddler and as a you know this this variety of Batman. Right. I think I'd go uh, Tommy Lee Jones for mine. He was the real standout for me. It was like I expected to be annoyed by Carrie and wasn't as annoyed as I thought. But Tommy Lee Jones was the real surprise for me. I was just like, he's actually good in this. He's not just in this, but he's good in this, I think. Yeah, I think the Um, two of them as a pair are the biggest redeeming quality for the movie. If you're going to try and talk it up for someone else, you'd be like, yeah, but Tommy Lee and Jim Carrey, they they played the villains. Um, So two more to go. Uh, Our big loser of the movie. This can either be the worst thing about it, the worst performer, or you could go a little bit meta with it, which I will do and say... Tim Burton is the big loser of this movie because he didn't get asked to come back and direct it. Um, what do you got, cuz? Oh, uh, that's a good one. And I think we're all sad for it considering what we got instead. I mean, Chris O'Donnell, uh, big loser. Chris O'Donnell is maybe. definitely my uh, bottom of the barrel. Nothing he does. In, he doesn't have a single line in the movie. Even when they try to make him funny and campy with the holy rusted metal, it still falls flat. <laughs> He's, uh, he's a, uh, yeah, I just, every time he's talking on screen, I'm in a bad mood. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, there's just something about him at this point that's just, it, it just didn't bother me at the time. But, uh, yeah, because I wasn't thinking that way at the time. I didn't, I didn't have uh, a collection of Nightwing comics that I loved <laughs> at that time. It's a whole, it's a whole different, I'm coming from a very different perspective than when we were 10. Um, final question for you, cause who would you say is the big winner of this movie? Once again, you can be uh, a performer, somebody involved, or, you know, uh, I guess I probably wouldn't say Warner brothers on this one. Cause while it made a lot of money, it's diminishing returns. I'm going to go big winner is Nicole Kidman, because I think this was really the, she didn't, she didn't carry into this, any of the stink of this movie with her. You know what I mean? She yeah. was able to do it and have kind of the glow up from it without it being kind of tarnishing her Become more, anyway. more famous pop culture wise and exactly. then go on to do some much better films. Yeah. Um, man, for this one again. I, I, you know, he, he, he made $20 million. Congrats. <laughs> now he, he lives in a, a, a weird house in LA, I'm sure somewhere and does yeah. paintings. And he's happy as a clam. So good for you, man. You got yours. That, that is a, it. I'll say it in the way John Leguizamo, uh, very famously has a hall of shame in his, his house. Oh, yeah? It goes from the top of the stair to his bedroom. And it's the five worst movies he did, but they paid for the house and for his kids to go to college. <laughs> so he has big posters of them lit up the whole way down. I love that. Uh, yeah. It's, and then, uh, I think love- that Jim Carrey should take the same and be like, you know what? I did three really great movies last year. Let's just have this one terrible one that was a good paycheck. Yeah. And like you said, you know, yeah, he got paid for it, but it wasn't one of those like – I'm just here for the big paycheck. I mean, he was all in, all in. He loved it. it. I think, yeah, and I think, I think that's reflected of the performance and when he's on screen and his parts are the ones that I could get through that, that went the fastest while we were watching this movie. 
Gotcha. Um, so we're ranking these as we go along, cousin. So far, you are in release order, favoring uh, eighty nine Batman, and then Batman Returns. Where would you place Batman Forever? Uh, is that number three in that order? I it is, you... and it's a big number three. Big I remember step down. It's been so long since I've watched this that I'm even like questioning how I've described it to people in the past. Where I'd be like, <laughs> it was, I used to, I, in my head, I was like, it was a little bit worse than Returns, but like, you know, you enjoyed some of the camp and it was okay, but I just had a hard time watching this one this time. I've heard a lot of people say they remember, uh, they remember Forever being decent and Batman and Robin being terrible. And then upon rewatch, they're like, Forever's worse than I remember. Batman and Robin's actually not as bad as I remember. I don't know. I haven't seen that one in 30 years, so we'll determine yeah, that next yeah, week. Yeah, well, but... I'm not looking forward to watching that one either. But maybe my <laughs> expectations are so low, like you, you said, that yeah, it might they'll be, be better. But uh, yeah, this is a, th- a big step to number three. Uh, I'm going to put this as number three as well. I ranked Returns as my number one Batman movie just because it's more Burton-y for me. But I, yeah, I think uh, I can't put this one over. Yeah, I can't, I can't fault you for that. Two and one and one and two, I think both of those are very legitimate choices. But three is three. Yeah. Um, and then what about Batman? This is our the first time we've had another Batman. Um, you know... I don't think Kilmer is a bad Batman. I, there is a part of me that kind of wishes I'd gotten to see either another go of Kilmer at it or Kilmer doing it with a different director than Schumacher. I um, feel like, yeah, that, that he wasn't in the right Batman movie. Yeah. Um, I think he could have fit well with some of the Burton darkness. You know? Yeah. I think he would have been way more at home with that. Definitely. This, yeah. this was not his film. Uh, I mean, he's definitely worse than Keaton. Yeah, uh, I've be. never really heard anyone stand for Kilmer's, Kilmer's uh, Batman. This is a, I mean, referencing another hero that, uh, you know, you, we've talked about recently is in the three Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies. Uh, the way I always described it is I thought Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man. And, and Tom I think Holland's Tom Holland is both. good as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, Keaton... Uh, I thought was a great Batman, but his some of his Bruce Wayne scenes are really hard to watch, especially yeah. in eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Val Kilmer was a good Bruce Wayne, and then when he's got the mask on, I'm just not I'm not threatened by him at all. Batman should be scary, even if you're a good person. Yes, yeah. Like even if you you're the innocent person, you're still not super excited for this guy. He to seems be in the very room. soft and kind of dainty and, and yeah. fancy boy more as yeah. As Bruce it's Wayne. just yeah. I don't know what it is, but it just you never got it. Well, it's still Keaton for me as well. Um, all right, cousin, any final thoughts on Batman Forever? Uh, you know, it was a, a rewatch that uh, I hadn't planned on doing. This was what I wasn't planning on going back for if we weren't doing these in order. Um, and I think it stays at that point. I Probably don't not think one I'm you're going to watch this one. Yeah. In yeah, five that. years with, uh, with the kids, be like, you have to watch this. Now, you, you know what? We can. Yeah. We'll leave that one on the shelf. That's kind of the test for me with these is how long until I could watch them again. And this one, I may need a decade or more before I can watch yeah, this one again. That's a, that's a great descriptor for how much you like a movie is how long before you can watch it again. That's yeah. A, that's Especially something that's, you know, decades old and this stuff. It's just, you know, evaluating them over the passage of time. And yeah, I'm sorry, but almost 40 me has some different opinions than 12-year-old me did. Yeah, yeah, I feel very differently. Which, yeah, uh, 10-year-old me walked out wanting a grappling hook Batmobile for Christmas, right? Yeah. Like, that's what I was thinking about. I'm Not still about. 
kind of upset I don't have a car that shoots one giant flame out of its ass as I drive down the street. <laughs> well, you know, there's always next year. Always next year. Always next year. Maybe that's the next uh, Tesla model or something. All right, friends, that's back to the spoiler for 1995's Batman Forever. Join us next week for Batman and Robin right here on Spoilery Radio. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoiler Wars Pod. My name is Mason Fields. Until next time, stay spoilery, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>